And with no further ado then, um, I, I first have to introduce Michael Doherty, who's our science, um, our uh, secretary for the RIA uh, Social Science Committee, and he's going to give us, for those who are not familiar with the Universities Act, uh, a very brief introduction. So with no further ado, please, Michael, to, to give us a brief overview of the Universities Act. <clears throat> Thanks very much, Elizabeth. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, Mr. President. Um, after that very, very broad introduction, I'm going to be depressingly narrow, uh, so apologies <laughs> in advance for that. Uh, the committee envisages this event in the context of the publication uh, in 2012 of uh, legislation to, or draft legislation to amend the Universities Act. Um, in the words of the Minister, um, this was because as things stood, and, and indeed stand, the Minister and the Department had to rely on powers of persuasion rather than powers of law in order to ensure compliance by universities with governmental policy. So the legislation was directed at uh, doing something about that. So essentially four elements to, to the draft legislation. First, that the Minister could issue directions uh, to universities on to, uh, about specific matters, remuneration, numbers employed, and compliance with uh, collective agreements entered into by the government. Um, the minister could then appoint an inspector to, with very wide powers of access to go into universities and assess compliance with this, issue a report to the minister. Uh, on foot of that, the minister could then issue specific directions to universities uh, requiring them to do specific things in order to, to come into compliance in relation to, to the matters mentioned. Um, and lastly was the sanction, if continued non-compliance remained the case, or indeed if there, was, if there were sorry, serious deficiencies in relation to the management by universities of these specific issues, uh, the minister could transfer management from the universities to a ministerial appointee. This is very, very interesting legislation for, from all sorts of reasons, for all sorts of reasons. Um, and many of the issues kind of related to that will come up, I'm sure, in the course of the day. just wanted to flag uh, just a very small number now, which I'm sure the other speakers will, will, uh, will refer to. Uh, first, it would be remiss not to uh, point out the specific context in which the legislation was, was in, uh, introduced, the draft legislation. Two elements to this. First was the initial reluctance by Trinity College Dublin to accept a Labour Court recommendation uh, relating to the reinstatement of three uh, members of staff who sought contracts of indefinite duration from the university. So this was a crucial issue, the issue of fixed term work, of contract work, permanency, particularly where it's research funded positions, huge issues for the sector um, that, that arose in that specific context. Secondly, uh, quoting from the press release here, uh, the payment between 2005 and 2009 of approximately 7.5 million euro in unauthorised allowances by universities to senior staff. That was also uh, an issue directed at by the, by the legislation, and that indeed became the media face of the legislation, if you like, seized on, uh, I think, quite enthusiastically uh, by certain elements of the press in particular. Uh, but more broadly, more broadly, um, there are two uh, other issues I just want to very briefly mention. Um, first was the legislation was going to displace traditional voluntary industrial relation procedures for management of these issues within universities by legislated outcomes. So that was, from a labour law point of view, uh, extremely important and of course has now taken on resonance way beyond education with the publication of the uh, financial emergency measures in the public interest uh, legislation. Um, and secondly, and this really is the shadow of every, behind everything we're discussing today, um, to, again to quote the Minister, um, the desirability of universities retaining certain levels of autonomy 
uh, must be balanced with the need to protect the exchequer at a time of financial crisis. Um, and that, of course, is the issue that, that looms behind uh, much of what we'll be discussing today. So thank you very much. Thanks, Michael.